If you want to find your path, first of all, find out who you are. Yeah. So you can decide which path you're going to take in terms of what you're going to say about yourself. Because people want to know about you. As an artist, they want to know what you, you know, what you're dealing with, what you can overcome. People can see, they'll find themselves in your story. You don't, you don't have to be a preacher. and all. If you want to be that and you're good at that, then that's your path. If that's what you find, that's what you find. Right. But tell your own story. Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise. Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. Somebody tells me they've been in the art game for 31 years. It's like, wow, I got to sit back in awe a little bit. And I got to sit down and talk with them because I want to know. I want to know all the secrets. I want to know how they did it. I want to know how they took their passion and turned it into a career, turned it into a lifestyle. I want to know how, how are they successful and able to sustain for so long? Because, you know, this art game is, is not easy now. It's not, it's not for the faint of heart. It takes work and passion and all that good stuff. So our guest today, Leroy Campbell, is no different. Leroy and his Neckbone series is one of those legendary series in black homes. You'll see him everywhere. You've seen him all around. He's been doing it for so long. He's been working, creating, and sharing his wonderful work for a long time. And you can hear it in the stories. You can see it in the paintings. His passion, his focus, his commitment to telling the stories of his community, his dedication to getting every bit of juice out of that gift that he was given. The gift of making art. That is a gift. And he talks about it a lot up here, too. I'm real honored to have Leroy as a guest on the show. I'm honored to talk to all of those greats in black art, those legendary figures that we talk about, who you know that work. And we talk about it right here on the show, too. And he talks about his work, his upcoming books, how everything started and what's around the corners, including some experiments that he's doing with his work just to keep it going. That, that kind of, oh, man, it's a good one. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I can't even sum it up in a good way. This is just a good one for you. You looking for that good art talk, baby? You know, I only bring you the best right here. It's the noise. If anything, we're going to keep you inspired and connected to the culture. You know it, baby. Bring it back. Bring it on one of the greats onto the show. It's Studio Noise, the voice of black art, bringing you the very best in black contemporary art. The legends, the future legends, the collectors, the curators, the artists making it happen out here in the art world. We all here, baby, and you connected with them. So if you listen, go ahead and go to your studio. Turn this on. Just let our words, let this conversation inspire you to keep making that noise, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Presented to you by Black Art in America, the Buyer Gallery, 1802 Connolly Drive, East Point, Georgia. New show opening today. Today, as you listen to this podcast, June 30th, Better Days, Joy and Revolution, a printmaking and print process show curated in part by your boy, Jay Barber. I did my pad to do my little part to bring my touch into it because, you know, your boy love them prints. I love them. <laughs> printmaking is, is definitely my passion for sure. So I, you know, I'm glad that this show kind of reflects that and gives you a real look into all of the processes that's involved. We put some, together some amazing artists with some amazing work 
uh, that you really want to make sure you check out. We got Chloe Alexander, Rashawn Rucker, Jerusha Graham, Delita Martin, Robin Holder, Carrie James Marshall, Richard Mayhew, Faith Ringo, and some fascinating process materials to go along with all those amazing prints. Now, I'm telling you, y'all got to see, and this one is special, a monoprint plate by David Driscoll and the print that it was used on as part of the process, the actual piece of plexi that he painted on that was printed for the print. You got to see it. That's what I'm talking about. That's how, that's the type of show we got for you. <laughs> so let you know, there's, this is the real deal. You can see some of Jay Barber's blocks. You see some lithograph plates. You see got letterpress. We got screen print. We got everything. It's like a, it's like a mini little survey of all the printmaking materials that you could possibly get to. You definitely want to check it out. Make sure you come on down to see it. Better Days, it opens today, June 30th, and closes July 29th. Artist Talk and Reception is July 15th. I'll be there. Chloe Alexander will be there. Jerusha Graham will be there. Maybe we get some more people there, too. It's going to be amazing. Make sure you check it out. I'll see you there. Now, after the break, we got a real gift for you today. The one and only Leroy Campbell dropping jewels right here. It's the noise, baby. Yes. Everybody. This is Barris for Booth, artist, consultant, curator, essayist, writer, lover of all things art. You are definitely listening to Studio Noise Podcast. Yes, it's Studio Noise, your boy Jay Barber, the voice of Black Art coming back at you live from the Black Art America Gallery, 1802 Connolly Drive. You already know. Definitely come by for the Black Family Reunion is coming up soon. But I'm sitting here with my man. It's like a reunion with my man right here. Absolutely, absolutely. So I can't be at the reunion, but my spirit will be there. I oh mean, yeah, yeah. Spirit is always there. You, you always know? there. You, always, you're I'm in the air, there. man. You in the air. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Leroy Campbell. That. Hey, uh, up, the bro? man, the legendary Leroy Campbell, sit with me, man. So glad to have you on the podcast show. Thank I'm you. I'm always excited when I interview like you and Charlie and Kevin, like because you. Y'all are the definition of black art. When I used to look it up <laughs> really? back in the day in North Carolina, didn't know no artists, didn't see nothing. But I always saw, I always saw your images. I saw you and Wack, uh, Charles Bibbs, Annie Lee, like all those kind of ubiquitous images of black art. And you were up there with them, man. I, I really loved your artwork. Bro. I appreciate so, you bringing that up because that, to me, that was the unspoken Renaissance era. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That we were a part of. And... Even now, I know I speak for myself. Part of that era that, that that really inspired the era was being committed to telling our stories and mm -hmm. telling my stories, telling stories of people from my community, keeping our culture alive, and helping motivate people to just be unapologetically black. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think your work, <laughs> and uh, you know, then we could talk a lot about like the yeah, Cosby man. Show and what that meant. Oh, seeing yeah. black images on the wall and. Like all that kind of stuff, but it's Absolutely. something about seeing yourself, not just yourself in some spectacular version of yourself. Right, right. But the everyday version of yourself that's just as special, just as black, fills you with love, fills your home with joy, all that stuff. So I think that's what, to me, that's what your art, all of your art meant to the culture at the time. Absolutely. And I appreciate you saying that because part of giving life, life giving for your own journey, your own self-governance, self-representation, Right. Knowing that you, seeing how you exist, not only in your own home, mm -hmm. but in the, you know, the community, which is the universal world, which yeah. is everywhere. Seeing yourself in those spaces 
that's how that's where you get your motivation that's where you that's where the ancestors show up mm-hmm. that's where the laws of your birthright shows up that's where you're affirming of yourself to say you you belong here and oh there's a space that looks like this could be you yeah you need that yeah you know and and go back to bill cosby bill cosby gave i mean he created an insatiable appetite for black love, right? For self love, yeah. And that black appetite was represent represented in all genres of the arts, the visual arts. You know, that's the most notable with Varnett Honeywood's yeah, work. Exactly. And there's a you know the the, the funeral procession mm-hmm. series where Claire Hustable was you know trying to bid on this piece. Yeah. But then you had the jazz, and then of course the literary, and yeah, it was a reflection. You had the Avon Hilly dances, Avon Hilly dances, yeah. and then some. So you saw. You saw the, the 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 representation of the roads that was paved for for us from that Harlem Renaissance period, mm-hmm. and those bridges that was built that brought us to that period, which the impact of that is still being benefit felt. Yeah, because now, right now, because of that, and because of people like me, Wag, Bibbs, Najee, and Poncho, Poncho, yeah. all of us, you know how much businesses yeah we actually sustain and establish yeah you know how many people we employed are employed people became employed based on these galleries and frame shop that was created from that i i gotta give thanks that what we did not only not only that we created art lovers Mm. who are now honored by art collectors yeah and that's that's official because once that gets into your system, once you're used to seeing it in your home, yeah. now the kids are being collectors because they are looking for that feeling. They didn't know what it was. Yeah. Right. They didn't know why their home felt so much like home. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, until seeing a piece like um Holy Bonamonary. Uh, <laughs> that was one of my favorite of pieces. Cause uh <laughs> you made a lot of work that I really enjoyed. But it's like those pieces in particular like really struck me because uh they were so regular but they were so beautiful thank like, you and regular in terms of scenes in terms of what was going on they yeah. were just there holding it was the hands. foundation of our lives exactly it was, it was a it was the cultural foundation of a life that was inspired by the journeys of people before you know i i celebrated a community culture mm. talk about it. I, i'm really a person who's the benefactor of having many mothers many fathers and although i might have been raised in the project but the project I was raised on, the requirement to even move in that project, you had to be married. Mm. So yeah. the idea of keeping families, so I had a lot of, I had a village that I was raised in. I grew up at a time where the grown folks had the last word. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Respect. <laughs> and that, and that yes. last word was, was informing the foundation of my wisdom. Their wisdom was, mm. was self-governing. For me. And so I saw, you know, being in, in high school with all socioeconomic children, I was able to move in and out of different spaces and took what my parents couldn't drop off. Where they dropped off at, right. other parents took over. Yeah. And churches, schools. So I, I really was, I really, my, my community was thriving. It was vibrant all the black owned businesses that were surrounding me, mm-hmm. the churches, everybody had a hand in Leora Campbell, 
and everybody else. So when you're looking at Leroy Campbell, you're looking at, a, a, a say, a person who's a com- combination of a lot of people. Yeah. And I, I get a sense of that. Just looking at your work That's over, my work you know, reflects, yeah. 30 some years that you've been making art and doing. <laughs> 31 years today, bro. Wow. Really? Today? S- today, 31 you years. You remember the day? Yes, sir. 31 well, years. What, what, what was that day? How do you know it was that day? How did I know it was 31 years yeah, that day? Yeah. Um, <laughs> how did I know? Well, I count the years. <laughs> <laughs> I could count. I <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, and every year I give thanks because I remember when I went full time. Oh, yeah. You know, because before I was an artist, I worked full time in the medical field. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yes, sir. The first half as an orderly. And the second half as a telemetry technician, that that's a person who monitor heart arrhythmias yeah. and report them to doctors and nurses. But in the year 1992, I started my career in 84, start pursuing in 84. In 1992, my, 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 my work was selling so well. And I, and I wanted these galleries, the local galleries, to give me a one-man show. And somehow I felt like, you know, you're a self-taught artist, and they considered sometimes self-taught artists to be an outsider. Right. So I figured to yeah. pay my, I figured, okay, I got to pay some dudes. So I said, I ought to pay some dudes. I'll produce my own one-man show. There you go. And this time I did it in Soho, New York. Now that turned out to be a huge undertaking, right? So to better prepare, I went to my employer to request a leave of absence. And she gave it to me, but it was very reluctant. <laughs> <laughs> On the opening day of the show, I got a letter from my employer. And the letter read, if you don't come to work today, you're fired. <laughs> everything inside of me dropped including my head and at the time i was a single father a single parent with two boys six wow. and nine and i looked out the window at nothing and i said god turn to the most i said what do you want me to do the most i said keep going keep going yeah by the middle of the night over 150 plus people was in the room nice one of which was phyllis hyman Oh, come on now. What? <laughs> come on now. Oh, my God. It was one of the most electric <laughs> night of my life. And by the end of the night, when the tally came in, I had made hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. To this day, I don't know if I quit if they fired me. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that. The, the, like I said, the first thing I learned from that night was the starving artist concept was overrated because <laughs> I, I had never stopped. Yeah. Right? I haven't stopped. Yeah. Because, I, you know, this was my gift given to me by the gift giver. Mm-hmm. That's the second thing I learned. And that when your gift giver gives you a gift, you can't give it back and it's not meant for you to keep. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. From that, I ended up starting my own reproduction line, doing art shows and galleries and frame shop all around the country. I took some of that money and I purchased a brownstone for under 200000 Maybe 10 years later, I sold it for over a million. Wow. Wow. That's all right. <laughs> that's, all, that's, that's the power of the support. And I got to give thanks to those people yeah. who were there, yeah. who needed to see me do well, who affirmed in me that the ancestors were living in them, speaking to me to keep going. I got you. Mm-hmm. This is what this is all about. I knew when I look back and I say, wow, when you start to look back on the history, you can look back and look at yourself right now and say, whoa, 
do you realize this is 31 years that you've been thriving? That's crazy. And continuously thriving, even up until now? Yeah. You got to give thanks. There's no time to be wallowing, feeling negative, or being apprehensive. You got to always, you have so much to pull from. That's what our history is about. Yeah. That's what the work is telling you. So all the work that I've done since then, you know, up until now shows you people who have continued to be brave, you know, their bravery face fears, you know, and destroy fears and turn out to be the one beautiful thing that has made a difference in terms of how things show up in their life. Many years later, sometimes you don't see it right away, but it's called blessings in disguise. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm rambling right no, now. No, 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 man. You you giving it up today. You giving it up today. I like this. <laughs> nah, that's good. I'm I rambling, think that because it's some stuff that people need to hear. But I think uh to complete that circle, the yeah. people were there to support you. Yes. Because you were putting the people into your work. You were putting them focus. You were giving them the wow, moments. You were good... giving them the magic. They were looking for something and you gave it to them. That's why they came. I love back that because them. you know, when I first started my work, it wasn't quite the messaging was kind of like, you know, more Afrocentric, right? Mm. But the moment I started to tell my own story, I learned that I was not only just telling my story, but I was telling a lot of people's story. Yeah. And so this relationship developed. This this relationship developed, and that relationship was just the same relationship that my community kind of gave for me. No matter how bad things are, you represent not just yourself, but you represent us and go and do good. Yeah. Because we need to see you do good because that makes that also gives us life. And that life giving just became give and take, give and take. And that's what this work means to me. Yeah. It's not just selling the work, but it's the life of the give and take that the community needs and that they give back to me. Yeah. Through the work. So when I'm painting a, a holy bonamoni or a generous next bond representing family. That's because that family who have stepped in and replaced my family, I celebrate that family, but I'm still living in that community. Mm-hmm. I may not physically live in that community, but I'm li- that community physically and spiritually still lives in me no matter where I go. Yeah. So I show up for them and for me. Yeah. So that give and take, that's what this art is about. The money, that's the best, that's, that's, that comes, that, that is the prosperity promise for being committed to that purpose. Mm-hmm. Damn, I said that, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. Can we say that again? Somebody write this down. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, this man cooking today. I like But this. that's beautiful, right? Yeah. No, it's, it's that, wonderful. That I think is the that way it goes. Ultimately, I think that's the dream that we all have. Like, you know, like, like if we could, I know that, that I've been full-time for about 10 years. And so- I know from that moment I knew I don't want to do anything else but art. But you always wonder if you could do it, mm. right? If you can actually get the opportunity to uh, continuously make art the way that you want to. Mm. And so a lot of people dream of that. And so that is is when we see people like you and the, the figures like you and Charlie and all the other people that are really successful at it. Yeah. Like we really appreciate it because that is in part the dream to be able to make your creations and sustain yourself. It's amazing. It's a calling. It's a a gift. It's a calling. And these gifts are given to us by the gift giver, right? Mm -hmm. But they come with purpose. And my purpose is to tell my story uh, and to serve my community, but it's also to keep keep the 
this roaring, burning flame of my spirit mm. from becoming a pilot light of a flickering dim. Mm. A lot of people walk around with their spirit challenged at the most at times where they, you know, if your spirit dies, then that's what zombieism means. Yeah. You become a walking dead. Yeah. And I came from a lot of challenges growing up. I'm not going to lie to you. I was living in the projects, descended into poverty. Both parents' relationship was so bad, that although they did the best they could, they abandoned us as children. Mm. And to keep my spirit going, was the teachers in the schools, my friends, families who were of different socioeconomic background, and that community of people saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, but they saw that I had a spirit. I was born with a spirit. Mm -hmm. And they never allowed that spirit to die. So when they passed on what they could, it was up to me to say, I'm going to keep this spirit up. Right. So now the work had to come now. They're not around anymore. So now this work has to step in and take over that responsibility. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Because that, because that's why you see in the work, my work, you'll see newspaper articles in the work to show me people who have kept going in times worse than this. Mm -hmm. Show me people whose spirit has been challenged at, the, at a level that if we were experiencing their experience, the slavery, the whippings, the disrespect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Couldn't me take you it. Today, yeah. I don't think we could take no, it. No, absolutely not. We wouldn't be able to live through it. But they are showing us that, you know, you know, so, you know it's not a, to have a strong spirit, it's not required to go through hard times because you're supposed to thrive. You're supposed to have challenges, but you're supposed to be really more, have more positive experience than negative. Mm -hmm. You could also learn from positivity. Yeah. And, that fortitude and that determination in the art is the way the ancestors and those people still feed me to this very second. Yeah. And so. I love it. Oh, no, I love it, too. And when we talk about the art, you know, you're self-taught. Yeah. Um, how was it? How did you see yourself developing? Were you going towards a specific artist or something that you wanted to emulate? Or did you always have these kind of boom figures, these black silhouettes with the lips? Uh, was that always how you drew? Well, there's a period. There's periods to my work. But let's go to that question. Yeah. 1989, I go to the Smithsonian, and I see the works of Romare Bearden. Mm -hmm. And it was so affirming for me. Bearden has roots in the South, depicting the trains in the background. You just see the Southern scene, the outhouse. Yep. Well, my mother's backyard, was Moss Corner, South Carolina, trains and our house. And I remember spending time there as a child. I was ashamed of that. Mm. When I left the South, I, wanted, I didn't want nobody to know I was from the South. Wow. Although with a name like Leroy Campbell was a dead giveaway. <laughs> Leroy is a dead giveaway. Yeah, Leroy. You, you, <laughs> I sometimes tell people my name is Loire. <laughs> no, brother, you Leroy. Dead giveaway. And him being an artist of Northern lifestyle was parallel to my life. 
And he made me look at my own journey again and appreciate being from the South. And I began to tell the stories of me spending time with my grandfather in the backwoods. So it started there. My work really changed there. And I created, started, I created, this was the Neckbone series was born. Okay. Because I created a father and son, me representing me and my grandfather going to church on Sunday. And that story just made me say, uh-oh, you have to look back. You have to go back. You left yourself, and this is bringing you back to yourself. Mm. So Roman Bearden that was the person who made me go back into my southern roots. Then I saw Jacob Lawrence's work. Mm. And if you know anything about southern folks, they're storytellers. They're griots. Yep. Jacob Lawrence is the storyteller. For He's sure. a griot. He works in series. And I thought, he, then he connected again to that authentic part of me of storytelling. Like, you hear me running my mouth telling a story. That's where that comes from. I come from a people of griotic storytellers. I thought, this is, this is how I want to, this is how I want to, this has given me permission to be my authentic self. Jacob Lawrence and Bearden's, their work connected me so much to me. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, James Denmark and so many other artists, you know, aesthetically. And, um, you know, uh, I began to just look at other styles of work. But, but, but at the core of who Leroy is was those two artists. Yeah. Because I needed to be affirmed. I couldn't follow being in the world of art. Because I was in Brooklyn where nothing but artists was everywhere. You hear me? Fort Greene, Clinton Hill, Brooklyn. That was an art haven. Mm. And most of the artists in the, na- in the neighborhood, all of them were just under this unspoken thing of promoting this thing called negritude, you know, you know, reaffirming your self-love of being and reconnecting you back to your ancestral roots. And I wanted to be, a, and I was a part of that. I was living in that and ended up contributing to that. But the, for the most part, it was important to, to bring your own authenticity to that. Mm. If you're gonna build, if you're gonna put another foundation on something, it's gotta be its own wholeness. And when I found, when I saw Bearden and Lawrence work, I became a foundation and a contribution to that, to holding that up. Yeah. And no, and feeding on that, man. So those two artists at the high, at the beginning of my, at, really was a turning point in my career, and brought me to talking to you. Give thanks to the most high to those ancestors. That's amazing. That's amazing. So when you when you did that first neck bone piece, did you know it was it? Like, did you just feel like this is the direction I need to go? It or? doesn't work like that. It, it doesn't work like that. It, it's it, it it's it was um it was therapeutic. Hmm. The therapy a that's a good of, word. A lot of this yeah. work is therapeutic for me, to be honest with you, because when the Going again, that was the, that was eighty nine. Yeah. How I got into my art? See, I was born with a birth defect on my hands. I'm a thalidomide baby. Drugs given to women for morning sickness. It deformed babies. I'm one of the blessed ones. Babies had no arms, wow. legs. Yeah. The fact that I have just extremities. What was that about? Yeah. And it, ironically, ironic blessing. I'm known for my hands. <laughs> when I die, the work I did for my hands, you talk about the blessings of a birth effect in hands. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But when I started grade school, a few kids on the projects and the school used to tease me about that shit. Mm. 
the pain from that was excruciating. I, I can try, imagine. I, I was I tried to tough it out, but inside it was tearing me to pieces. I can imagine. But to recover from that emotionally, I used to isolate myself with my comic book collection. Mm. And I used to trace, got back strong enough and went back out there, played ball with them and, you know, do what I had to do. But that tracing, I traced so much, trying to get those superheroes to come alive to, to, to fight my battle, but it introduced me to my own superpower, which was the gift of creativity. Mm. And that creativity let me know that I could make me feel good, make me recover. Well, it's been a healing force for me all alone. That's how I, be- so art was, was, was all healing. I would only do art when I wasn't in a good space. So, and art is therapy. So here it is. Art has always played a role as part of my therapy every day. Part of the way I release, solve issues, think things through, you know, disconnect from anxiety. It, it really does that for me. It has been doing that for me for years. But it's also how I find a certain kind of a much a certain kind of love that I can impart on children on my friends. So this art wasn't for me starting off with money. Yeah. <laughs> starting off with trying to say, I'm going to paint this piece so this piece <laughs> could be blah, 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 blah. Yeah. First, I have to be thoroughly fed and satisfied. When I, even when I do commissions, I, don't, I do them for money, but I don't paint while I'm doing, I don't think about money while I'm painting. I've got to get the therapy out of it. Right. I've got to get the, the soothing and the satisfaction out of it. The best space is the zone space. The thing called the zone where you just, time does not exist. So, but when I did Jill Neck Bone and Jill Neck Bone Jr., the most important thing for me at that moment, what I was, I cried because I had, I almost forsake my grandfather's mm. contribution to my foundation because I was embarrassed. I was ashamed to be Southern, Gullah, Geechee. And come to find out, to me, that was the most, it was kind of sad for me to have done that, but I was, I was thankful that I finally got, got back to holding on to that in my early 30s soon enough for me to be 66 today and having that brought me to where I am. So almost, you know, sometimes we live in this country and, we, and a lot of people forget about our history and the people who built those roads, like I say, and the people who brought us where we are. And my, my personal family, no matter how dysfunctional or challenged they were, they deserve a lot of my gratitude, right. if you will. Yeah. And so that piece was letting me know that I was giving gratitude. And I felt, I felt like, whew, Thank you for forgiving me. <laughs> you forgive me now? <laughs> you got to be forgiven, man. I wish I could. I, he didn't know I did that, though. But the, but the fact that I did that made me honor their name, honor their spirit. And that's, that's was, ooh. I love it. They might not be alive today, but I honored that. I'm honoring them. I love it. Thank you for everybody that came out and supported the Black Art Family Reunion. 
Now we got another one. Make sure you come out to the Buy Gallery, 1802 Conley Drive, and check out the show Better Days, Joy and Revolution, a one-of-a-kind printmaking and print process show featuring contemporary and masterworks from Richard Mayhew and David Driscoll to contemporary works from Rashawn Rucker, Coy Alexander, and your boy Jay Barber. 1802 Conley Drive, right around the corner from the Tyler Perry Studio and the airport. Come see, come collect. See more at blackartamerica.com. This is Lauren Tate Baeza. I'm a thinker, and you are listening to Studio Noise. And, and that's that, what art can be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If yeah. you do it right, if it means something to you, well, that's how you feel like that. Yeah, that's why I never panic when, you know, if I, sales, I don't know what it is. I'm always prepared to go back to somebody's job, but I, this art won't let me because it's got a place for me. And I think it's because I'm aligned with those principles, those values, and that and that commitment. Yeah. Now, how how hard was it to get into like the art business? Because you talk about how <laughs> you had some success before you went full time, but what was that struggle like? What was that journey? Like? Well, I, you know, um, they say they say there's a thing, there's a saying called ignorance is bliss. Mm, there we go. <laughs> so it was. You a don't period, know what you don't. I don't know, know what I didn't know. <laughs> There was a period where I was just, so I was being a community-driven culture person. When I say community, I mean being an outside community person, interacting with people firsthand. And, you know, I, I didn't grow up with this technology and this era. I grew up with physical, person-to-person context. So a lot of my um, early work, early journey was on the street selling work and mm. then the festivals and blah, blah, blah. And how I got into these galleries was that so many people who were buying my originals on the on, on the street level were taking them into galleries mm. to be framed. No, look at that. <laughs> you talk about blessings in yeah, the sky. So they would say they were buying the prints off of my off the They were buying the originals. Oh, okay. Not prints. I wasn't doing prints in the earlier years of my work. From okay. 84. I didn't start doing prints until 1980. Mm. To 1980, uh, 89. Okay. Personally. But those 80, from 84 to then, it was all originals. And they were taking your work And they were into taking the, the work galleries. in the galleries to be framed. And the gallerists became curious. Who's this artist? And a couple of the art purchasers, they're the ones who, the people kind of opened the door for me. Nice. Then I linked up with a good brother named Willie Torbett, who's a graduate of Pratt University, very culturally grounded brother. He also had some inroads with a couple of galleries in New- in Brooklyn. Spiral Gallery at the time, with where you see James Denmark work, B, Vincent Smith, uh, Otto Neal, those cats was in those spaces. And Willie was the emerging artist. And together, we, was, we would kind of show together because mm-hmm. we both self-taught. Mm-hmm. Figure out, well... You know, we're doing this for the people. So we, <laughs> just for the people. Nobody can tell us we can't be no yeah. artists. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. This institution did not give us the, this gift. This is our people. So yeah. Spire Gallery gave us our first one-man show, our uh, group show, which turned out to be huge. And then Dorset Gallery, another old-school gallery where at his gallery, you, you know, like those artists I just mentioned, they were part of a family reunion in that gallery. Mm. They would when sh- when you have shows, ev- all the collectors would bring a dish. Wow, <laughs> I'm <laughs> like telling a big you, like a fil- yeah. I'm serious. They would all bring a dish, 
and buy art. He would have a turntable and someone would be, everybody would take turn changing the vinyl, listening to jazz, eating the food that the collectors buy while they were buying art. This is my experience. This is the vibe. This is my experience, brother. Yeah, yeah. And these people were about the, they were about community. Even though they were spending that money, and I used to take my work to him to be framed. Hey, Leroy, you want to be, you'll put a couple of work in the show. Oh, okay. Sure, Mr. Darcy. Thank you. Next thing you know, Leroy Campbell is in a gallery associated with other established artists. Yeah. So that, that pulls you up. That, make, that, that makes you step up. It makes you see something in yourself. Yeah. It shows you something that you don't see. But when you see it, you have to step up. That's how I ended up and started doing gallery shows. Gallery shows not only in all over Brooklyn, but in D.C., uh, Maryland. Um, there, was, there was gallery shows in Chicago. Chicago's, whew, love Chicago people, man. They don't, they don't play when it comes to collecting yeah. art. Uh, you know, our people are everywhere loving on us. New Rochelle, New Jersey, you, you name it, man. We, we, our folks, if it wasn't for the black folks and the black woman, I don't think I'd be sitting here right now, brother. Oh, I believe that. I believe that. Don't get the, it twisted. That's the core of the support that's right the there. Co- yeah. That, it still is. Yeah. The core of support for black art for me has been the black woman. And, no, and I'm not taking away from black men. Black men and black women. Let's say it like that. But the leaders of sustaining this business for me, it's been black women. Mm. That's right. And, and, and maybe because we, 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 we print we, we, we do a lot of work reflective of them. And that could be a big part of it as well. Because I celebrate my mother. I celebrate the spirit of my mother. I spell the, the spirit of mothers. Um, and, and I love, I don't want to leave out the, the power of the energy of black women. Because the energy, no disrespect to anybody, but the energy of God is both male and female. I'm a, <laughs> I'm here sometimes emotionally and spiritually because, you know, largely, you know, the, the, the keep going, brother. You know you're supposed to be doing this. You better mind. Those voices, yeah. for me, it's been, you know, yeah. the woman, the black woman. Yeah. And then this is it's amazing to hear this kind of history and these names of these galleries that yeah. that really sustain this and and we don't give ourselves enough credit. Oh yeah, we always uh, want to be little the black collector, be little the black artists on the circle. But those black galleries, those black collectors sustain a lot of people. Absolutely, Sabaku Gallery. Don't even forget Lois and Burma. Yeah. Sabaku Gallery was down there in uh, 12th Street and in, in the Village. In a small, the, the, the space might have been like 600 square feet, mm. turning it into a uh, one-man show for me and myself and other artists. They were from the Caribbean doing that. Then the Puck Building, that Puck Building show that was happening where many black artists, some, I mean, um, what's the name of the art? Uh, June Kelly's Gallery out of uh, Harlem and, and, and all these major galleries like Thelma Gallery, Golden, oh, they would come and exhibit in the spaces. And that came from 
that happened because artists like myself, Poncho, Bibbs, Whack, when we was on the scene driving this 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 thing of art, it made them realize that no, we gotta get we gotta try to get in front of this. We pulled them, and in, in some way, we pulled them to say, we we we're doing we we we're standing on your shoulders, but come on out. Yeah. So the Puck Building became a show for fine art galleries. That's where you saw the beard and the catless, the Benny Andrews and the. You saw those galleries starting to have their own show. We start. We we were the catalyst for that. I promise you. I promise you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now we have to be. We have to figure out how we're gonna become one of the artists to exhibit at one of those galleries because you couldn't. Ex- you couldn't be your. You couldn't do your own thing. Right. So we we yield and we paid homage and we respected it. So I was able to go into a couple of galleries like ENS Gallery. Mm-hmm. You know, and Sabaku Gallery, they were able to get in there. I mean, Josh Wainwright, who used to be the producer, used to call me and ask me to go on TV and talk about it. Wow. He used to ask me to go to Channel <laughs> se- Channel 1 and Channel 7. Leroy, come on down here, man, and just talk about your work, talk about the show. I'm like, okay, because you can see I run my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so it was natural for me. So, he, you know, he wanted an artist representation. I would be there. I would be on TV with him. And sometimes myself just talking about being at the show and how exciting the show is and, you know, come on down. Yeah. So it became one of those things where the, the young folks went out and did their, start to do this, you know, start to benefit from what they have started, what they did a long time ago. Then we gave it back to the old folks. Uh, so this, this, this idea of real universal love is having intergenerational connection. Yeah. Don't fool yourself. You need the intergenerational connection. Yeah. Going. That's what's missing from the individual today. They're thinking, I'm they're out there self-deprecating and feeling like lonely or whatever because you lack an intergenerational connection, <laughs> fool. Yeah. How the hell are you supposed to survive if you don't have that? You got to talk to your people. You got to talk to your people. Yeah. We, we, we shouldn't be against each other. We got to be give and take for each other. Yeah. Every generation is responsible for moving the needle forward but you don't leave behind your elders never and the elders shouldn't disconnect from the young people we need to yeah together so yeah. that's what happened and that movement those galleries are now still doing pretty good and they're still making it possible for us to bring our work to an appreciative value yeah i love that and so <laughs> it just reminds me we talked before about you writing a book of memoirs. This oh. stuff needs to be written down right here. That's the second is, part of the book. Stuff. The yeah. first part of the book brought me to the one man show, brought me from my challenges growing up and the community culture and how I still, you know, the, what you call the blessings in the skies and all those stories up to that one man show. But the second half is going to be about this part that I'm talking about, the journey of the artists, you know, the renters, the, the, the unspoken renaissance era that we were a part of i'm talking about the 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 renaissance era that took us on the cruise with tom joiner for 10 years oh for 10 years i'm on a tom joiner cruise exhibiting artwork selling artwork for the purpose of raising money for hbcus and being in the being in the company of R&B singers and talent and black folks who was just loving on each other yeah for seven days 24 hours, <laughs> nothing but love. Good times. And selling art. Yeah. Tom Joyner 
dude. Oh yeah. Okay. It, yeah, it's a lot of people. Matter of fact, that way. matter of fact, there was just a cruise he just had. ENS Gallery took my work on there, and he sold like twenty pieces. Nice. Black, fo- <laughs> black folks, black folks, black folks. Yes, you still got that, got that power, man. People still, still got, got that. It. People, yeah. but yeah, because we are still here, and we got to remember to stay connected, and not just intergenerationally, but cross community, cross. You know, we, we we're not we're not monolithic, but those yeah different communities, you got to keep. We need each other more now than ever. Oh yeah, we can't play. Oh yeah, we can't play with the way the co- the country is playing with us. We got to fight back by being. Interconnecting. Yeah, it requires us to. It's do required, that. Yeah. brother. Your our survival is predicated on it. Oh Lord, I didn't say that. <laughs> but that's that's how I feel. That's what I. That's my yeah. vision. That's what I would love. So, no, so what inspired you so to want to do the book? Oh, I'm sorry. The book is entitled "Rich Soil: A Love Story." Rich soil, a love story. A love story. And I talk about all those stories. I talk about those those that soil I came out of. That no matter how bad or hard t- how things would let me say it, there were a lot of things that was perceived to be bad that turned out to be good. Mm. And if it hadn't been for those people, 1992 wouldn't have happened. So the book is a um, goes through a, a, a chronological series of stories that I'm telling about. You know, this coming of age person is coming into this person who eventually comes to himself as an artist and recognizing. Along the way, all these people, which I call the soil and circumstances, that was rich with so many people that helped me become this person you see standing here right now. Yeah. And the person that we're talking about, this artist. So that soil, that community culture, those community of people, and even though there were so many personal challenges, I wouldn't have been able to talk to you about them had it not been for those people. So the book kind of illustrates a number of stories. That shows you this these challenges, how I got through them with these people who've been a part of that. And it brings me into 1992 when I did the one man show and into buying the brownstone. It drops there, but then the second book is gonna pick up and go into the the, the art culture, that that community now, what we just talked about. Yeah. And um Sonny Holston of the View nice. is considering doing the forward for me. Oh, that would be awesome. She's doing, she yeah, moves. If she, I love her. She, she's doing, the, if she, I just talked to her the other day. She said, I got to send her to strip again. But if she does, I may have two people do the forward. Sonny Halston, as well as Razma Minica, mm. who is a trauma therapist, best time um, uh, 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 author. Um, his book is called My Grandmother's Hand. You got to get that book. It's I love the fact that this brother cares about what happened to us as a whole people. And he's doing very well. So he may be the, the, the two. I, I, I may do something different. We may have two forwards. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just illustrated his children's book. It's 20 pieces. And his children's book is called My Grandmother's Hands, too. But it's also, but the thing about his book that took up all of my time last year, um, away from my own art, in a sense, is that a challenge? It, it it introduced me to doing a representation of colors, mm. multicolored people. That is the spectrum of our community. Something I had never done, but the the representation and the therapeutic representation that's that's coming from that book, so powerful. And I'm I'm honored to have done that for him because my work is silhouetted figures, always yeah. unapologetically black silhouetted figures. 
surrealistic with no eyes or nose, and you see only the mouths, which, which represents them speaking our story, speaking, telling the stories in the newspaper. So, you know, this book. Was it a challenge for you to do? It was. It was one of the hardest things I ever did in my life. Wow. Because, I, you know, the, the idea of revealing, you know, my childhood stories for all the words, <laughs> for all the world <laughs> here. I mean, I go, I go raw. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of raw, man. You know, I go and I'm talking about, some, you know, when you're doing a memoir, you, you, you know, people don't want you to act like you're telling somebody what to do. They want to know what happened mm-hmm. and how you dealt with it. You know, I opened the book. The first, the first line of the first chapter is, I was born with a rusty spoon in my mouth. Mm. But it was a bitter taste that the spirit of my palate would not accept. Mm. I've always desired nourishing people, nourishing food, happiness, and peace and fun to help move my spirit along. On this particular night, the sound of pot, pan, spoons, and skillet could be heard from a hole in the wall in the room where we slept. Their tunes were interrupted by the crashing of plates against the concrete floor of our apartment in the project. Scared, I sat up at the head of the bed made for two yet shared by three, clutching the edge of a handmade quilt made by a four feet five shoulder of the cook who was now wedged between the stove and the hot water heater. She'd been forced there by a six-foot-two full-time butcher whose heavy breathing, towering over her, dared her to move. Mm. On many school nights, this was my bedtime story. I ain't say no more. <laughs> I know you want some more. You got to keep it going. He <laughs> want so more. I love it, man. No, that's awesome. That's a teaser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I love that. No, that's great. That's how it is. Oh, yeah. And it's full of context of history to kind of give backdrop. You know, you don't tear. I'm not tearing into my parents. I honor them. Mm-hmm. Even with the dysfunction, there's honoring in this. You know, this quilt. My mother did not know that quilts, the same quilt that she was making, right? The same pattern, technique she used was the same technique used to make the Kente cloth. Mm. I talk about, I connect all that to yeah. that moment to bring the reader in and out of the story. So that's the teaser. This is the first teaser that I've ever given in public. <laughs> Go ahead, boy. <laughs> I love that, man. I love okay, it. So, when it, so the book is finished. When, the is book it, is, when does it come out? The manuscript is finished. I'm waiting for Sunny to, re- to give me her feedback to see if she can commit to doing the forward. I think she will. Uh, the, the, the target is sometime before the year is out. Okay. And yeah, we got we looking forward to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You gotta you gotta go through this. This is this is grassroots all the way, baby. Oh, I love man, it. It was cathartic. It. it was you know I, I kind of needed a little therapy afterwards because it was taking me back. Yeah, some moments. You, you gotta know? dig into them issues. Dig and it. and you know I tell my students at Georgia State a lot yeah. that to become an artist, you the first person thing you have to do is know who you are. Because that's where all the art comes from. It doesn't come from the news articles or no. or whatever things you saw on TV. So right. Some Google image you found. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. that's not the art. The that's art is you. You. By far. Exactly. And that's exactly what you're describing right now. Well, that's you have to know. That's how you find your path of which, which path to take in this art. If you want to find your path, first of all, find out who you are. Yeah. 
So you can decide which path you're going to take in terms of what you're going to say about yourself. Because people want to know about you. As an artist, they want to know what you, you know, what you're dealing with, what you can overcome. People can see, they'll find themselves in your story. You know, you don't have to be a preacher. and all. If you want to be that and you're good at that, then that's your path. If that's what you find, that's what you find. Right. But tell your own story. Right. Absolutely. And in the kids' book, when does the, the book come out? So I don't have a target date just of yet because after I get, I'm going to send Sunny the up to date. Oh, no, the kids' book. The oh, the kids' book. Oh, no, the one Rasma. Rasma. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. So Rasma book, I just gave him the files. So he'll be free. He said when he, I really don't know. But Resma is the kind of guy who turns out books like that. Yeah. Okay. So he's excited. They got the file. The printers and everybody's doing their part. He said he's going to send me the first proof as soon as he put it together. And I you cannot go. wait. But, <laughs> but before I leave, I got to give thanks to Angela Rye. Oh, say Angela what? Rye yeah. put me in contact with Resma. She introduced me to his book. And I took the cover of his book and put it in one of my paintings, and he saw it. Wow. <laughs> and that's how we end up that's meeting. How it happened, yeah. So Angela, catalyst, you know, she's super soldier for our people. And, Absolutely. You know, she's definitely on the front line. Absolutely. I but, love it. I love uh, what? her. What? Yeah. I beautiful love seeing person, her. Every time she talks. Every time yeah. she talks. She's, 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 she's the real deal. She's really true from the core of her heart about the love of our ancestors. The ancestors live in her. You can feel it, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And I love that about her. So big ups to you, Angela, because that you're the catalyst for this children's book, my first. That's <laughs> something I've always <laughs> wanted to do, but big up to you, Angela. For sure. And, and before we get out of here, we definitely want to talk a little bit because we were talking uh, before we started recording about uh, new work that you're doing and oh. this idea of scale, that you're going up in scale to... Tell me about it. So, you know, the time it took me to do the children's book, about a year. And now that I'm coming back into my Leroy Campbell, doing it for self, you know, one of the things that I've been seeing, you know, in the arts space that we're experiencing is a lot of pieces that are large scale pieces. Yeah. It's inspired me to challenge myself to work on the scale. And it's a new, it's a learning experience. I'm in the learning phases. I'm like, I think I'm past crawling i'm just learning how to walk <laughs> you know what i mean and that large scale like 72 by 60 okay scales yeah um a lot of the work that i'm doing now right now i'm going to continue this ongoing body of work called gullah the gullah collection which came out in 2008 and exhibited at syracuse university community folk art center mm -hmm. to help keep a that's a great space great space yeah. and I, that was one of the catalysts that, that was one of the the thing that made me want to do it, because growing up, Gullah Geechee was frowned upon. And it was like a shame to do that. But then when they asked me, I'm like, I want to be in that space. So let me jump into it. There's another, I got to give big ups to that space, uh, uh, to the Community Folk, Folk Art Center, because they reconnected me back to that part of my roots yeah. that I left. And so that body of work was so successful on, on in that show that it ended up allowing me to be uh, to do workshops for the University of Connecticut called Gullah Voices. Mm. And my workshop had been number one. And then that collection ended up allowing me to become a cultural attache for the United States government. Okay. Where I ended up <laughs> taking the work over to Turkey and doing an exhibition over there, thanks to um, uh, Andretta um, Ferris, who, God rest her soul, 
who was teaching over there and asked me to bring the work there. And from that, that, that work ended up giving me a job to, to go into the hamlets and communities all over Tur Turkey, teaching art to disadvantaged children. So the work to the, so now this body of work, the Gullah people, who are the descendants of slaves, kidnapped out of Africa, brought to work on rice plantations along the coastal plains of South Carolina, Georgia. <laughs> People frowning upon that whole cultural, all those traditions. Now it's being studied in Ivy League schools all over the country. Mm -hmm. And this body of work, it's been a contribution to helping keep the stories of our people alive and to help celebrate, you know, the food, the, the language, the spiritual underpinning, um, uh, just the, the, the whole spirit of our ancestors coming out of that. It's being upheld in, in high regard in these spaces. And so this body of work will now con be continued with me doing larger spaces, but more surrealistic, you know, kind of minimalist, but yet speaking more to my personal journey with it. So it will tell the story, but it'll be my own lived story. That's the, that's the most beautiful part of the collection Yeah, is that I have a personal um, live story to tell with the collection. So talking about telling your story, yeah. this, this piece is, this, this work will be doing that. I love that. Yes, sir. I love that. And it, cause I'm glad you said that because, uh, there's two ways to go bigger, right? Mm. Where, and you have, and you've done both ways before. So you have like your simplistic, simple figures in scenes, but mm. you also have multiple figures in a bigger scene. Yeah. And so as you go bigger, you can go both ways, where it's simpler and bigger. And that's what's happening. It's I'm doing, more full with a lot of other stuff oh like that's going God, on. Oh my God, that's in so it. real because the, the space, too. Sometimes the subject matter and its composition will kind of demand how to bring out, how to balance the space. Right. Where to put things so the space can feel balanced. But I do have concepts that I'm working on, like. The, like you know, I'm doing the community. This is this series is going to be a series in dealing with celebration, and in this series, you're going to see a lot of movement, nice action, yeah. not just posing. You're going to see moving. Like I got a piece of a woman in a swing, and her hair has got some blue tint in it, representing the Gullah Geechee people who believe the color blue was a spiritual protection. So she she her in the rice. You know, the, the show just to, to pay homage to our brothers and sisters who worked as rice plantation. Her hair is made of rice mm. and it's colored with the blue tint in it. So it's blue throughout the piece and she's on a swing. And on and the swing rope is all these photographs of these happy, beautiful black people, you know, from our from their from her community and her past. And, you know, celebrating them, not forgetting them. So this whole piece is about celebrating yourself. Not against anything, but for yourself. Yeah. So you see a lot of movement. You know, you'll see this girl riding a bike. She's late for school. You know what I'm saying? And you can see all this cultural representation flowing out of her dress. So I, I came out of a community where life, people were moving in and out of each other's day-to-day -day life. And I want this piece to, to celebrate that.
I love that. And like with, with all your pieces, especially like your newer pieces that have a lot of material in them. Yes. Uh, you need to look at the details. You need to read and see the little Barack Obama yeah. on the back. And yeah. And the little girls <laughs> reading. Man, you killing it, man. I love it, man. That's I always knew we were going to have man. this moment, but, you know, I never I never knew when. And I said, you know what? You got you to gotta stay. stay in. I've always loved your spirit, brother. Thank You've you. You've always had a... I don't know. It was, it was easy connecting to your spirit, and you know. Now look, we, we're doing this, <laughs> and I think it's going pretty good, man. <laughs> good job. Thank you. Know, you know, I'm I'm curious, and I'm I'm willing to speak love to people. Absolutely, and you're so doing I, a good so job. For me, too. it is an honor to be able to sit here and tell you how much I love you, oh. how much you've inspired me, and a lot of other people, man. I love to see you doing it. Thank you, brother. Keep it going, always. I can't wait for the books and all that good stuff, man. Okay. I tell love you people, back, man. Tell Thank people where they can holler at you, man. Well, you know, you go to my uh, Instagram, Leroy Campbell Art, and uh, go to Leroy Campbell Originals to see some of the work there, and you can leave your email there uh, to reach out. But, you know, any works that you may be interested in purchasing, you should contact Richard Beavers Gallery out of New York. And that's another brother who I got to praise up right away because I love the architect in him. I love the fact that he knows how to look at your work and keep you aligned with your story. And some of this work is being inspired by this brother. So he's a Richard Beavers Gallery out of New York. is It's one of the places where my art is being sold. And of course, uh, uh, ENS Gallery out of uh, Louisville, Kentucky. That's another family who does so much to keep the work visible and you know i just i just think that those are the you know you know and me and me and black art in america we we have done some business together and i look forward to us continuing to do business absolutely man that's what's up man all Leroy right Campbell, man. appreciate you man good brother right here man get you one i'm saving my pennies up trying to get some there you go there you go there you go i love you man yeah. we can just we can just trade I hey it. hey i hey, like to trade hey, with you you said it all you, say you said it all right <laughs> you said it all right there. all right good brother yes. thank you man And that's it. Another episode of Studio Noise in the Bag. Didn't I tell you this was a good one? I told y'all it's that good art talk that y'all wanted right here on The Noise. Next week, starting a couple of collectors back to back. We're starting with Ashley Lee, collector right here in Atlanta. Talk about the journey. And to all my artists out there, it ain't never going to be easy. And stop looking at other people's past because it's going to be you in the basement making that noise. That's what's going to make it happen or not happen. And we're here for you. I'm here with you. I'm doing it too. We all doing it. So keep it up. It's your boy, Jay Barber. See y'all next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Studio Noise Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise. Follow us on Instagram at Studio Noise Podcast.